It's a hot time in MLS right now. Talk of expansion, talk of player movement. Coming off a very successful All-Star Week in Kansas City, this is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? What's going on, Garrett? Oh, you know, just uh, coming back from the Real Madrid, LA Galaxy game in Phoenix, Arizona. I know, I think you were shocked that we actually had a game out here. Yeah, I was surprised. I didn't even uh, I didn't realize that they... That they had soccer fields in Arizona. No, I'm just kidding. I'm That's, just kidding. We do. They're they're you know they're dirt lots with tumbleweeds and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. The uh, All Star Week in Kansas City was uh, was r- uh, unbelievable. Uh, one of the best, <clears throat> I would argue, the best uh, MLS event week in the league's history. And I'm talking MLS Cups, All Star Games, you name it. Uh, Kansas City hit it out of the park uh, just with the with all the events they did and and. It's pretty funny, you know. On Wednesday night, we were, you know, I was saying that everything was perfect except the ninety minutes itself of the game. The game was a bit forgettable, but everything else, from the Macklemore concert to all the parties to all the events that they put on in Kansas City, absolute A plus for the folks at Sporting KC and the people of Kansas City because they did an amazing job. Well, you know, Ivis, I was clearly there with you in spirit, but I don't feel like I should talk about that week. Why don't you, I mean, what were the highlights for the week? For I mean, I know you just mentioned a couple of things, but what, what were some specific things that really stood out to you that, that were, you know, above and beyond that you think? Well, I think, the well, uh, you know, for those who missed it, on Monday in Kansas City, the, uh, uh, the All-Star Game in AT&T uh, had Macklemore... Uh, have a concert and I got to tell you the crowd for that was amazing and it was an unbelievable opportunity for MLS to promote itself to to, you know on such a large scale and you had all the MLS uh, signage and and, uh, and the MLS players American soccer uh, stars in attendance uh, Alexi Lalas all these guys Aurelian Colin Kai Kamara on the stage and then Macklemore obviously a uh, really, really popular rapper now, um, and he just he just blew it up, and it was an amazing show. And for me, that that just that scene of, of thousands of of, uh, of fans just enjoying that whole moment and having it be an MLS event, it, it just really put it in a nutshell. Just how how far the league's come and, and how far Kansas City's come. You know, we t- I, I talked to people about it when I was there. How ten, twelve years ago, you know, Kansas City was nowhere near, as a city wasn't as vibrant and lively as it is now. And it's the same applies for the soccer side of things because, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you had the Wizards playing in Arrowhead Stadium, an empty Arrowhead Stadium generally. Now they have uh, Sporting Park sold out all the time. The fans are amazing. So just to see, just to see all of that, uh, just how far Casey has come is just absolutely impressive. Well, I think some people maybe look at at, at KC and they, and they maybe wonder, you know, how do they turn it around so fast? I mean, what, what was the general consensus that people were telling you that, that this is what it's become because of XYZ? I mean, <clears throat> did people give specifics? Well, I, I'd say, I mean, you start off the bat, you need an ownership group that has the energy, that has the resources and the vision to really want to put something special together, and they have that. The, the guys in KC, the ownership group, uh, you know, did a great job. But I also think the city itself is is, is enjoyed a bit of a renaissance, and and the team has captured that. The team is has, has kind of plugged into that, and it just seems like you know it's just a, the city's a more vibrant city, a uh, younger city now, and, and and you know, sporting KC is at a perfect time where, where they they have things going right with their new stadium a quality team, a good team to watch. It's just everything's coming together well for them. And one of the points that I thought was interesting was on Wednesday, <clears throat> Don Garber, you know, was asked about potential potentially moving teams around that aren't doing well. And he brought up a great point that, you know, there was a time when people thought, hey, someone, we should move Kansas City. We should move the Wizards. We should move that team out of there. It's just not really getting it done. And, and think about where – where it is now, right? It's one of the one of the marquee clubs in the league, uh, one of the most successful clubs in the league. And just ten years ago or less, you had people thinking that they should move the team. I know Alexi Lawless was giving uh, Garber the business during the uh, during the halftime break, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's focus on the game. MLS did not do so well. We should clearly read into this way too much, but Michael Bradley did do well. Um, you know, I mean, take take the game for what it is. It's an exhibition game. It's an all star game. I mean, I, I think for fans of, of teams that you're, you're you're excited that your player played in it. If he came away healthy, you're even more excited. 
And, you know, I, I look, am I right, Ivis? <coughs> no one should read into this game, you know, as a 3-1 to loss to Roma. Look, they didn't play well, but, I mean, you have to look at the context of things. <clears throat> you had a bunch of players who, who just played in the Gold Cup final, right, in Chicago. Uh, and, then, and then you also have the fact that these guys don't play together, and they get to have one practice, basically. And, you know, they're coming off their own uh, games, their own intense MLS games during the week, the guys who weren't on the Gold Cup team. <clears throat> so they have to come together in one day and play against a team that is a team, a team that's actually, you know, been together, guys who know each other, uh, even though Roma has a new manager. You know, th- that's a group that, that is familiar with each other. They're a quality team, obviously, when you're talking about, you know, guys like, you know, Francesco Totti, who was unbelievable in that game. And, and like you said, Michael Bradley was was outstanding, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of fans that, uh, you know, American soccer fans that watch that game were were, were kind of torn a bit because it's like, you know, here, here you have Michael Bradley just may, doing his thing, but MLS struggling. But, you know, I, I don't think anyone, anyone, I don't think anyone did, and I definitely don't think anyone should read too much into into, into the fact that the All-Stars struggled the way they did because it's just an un, unenviable situation there. Uh, as Peter Vermees pointed out after the game, I think if you took one of the better teams in the league, one of the better MLS teams, played them against Roma, it'd be a much different story because you'd have a team playing, a group that knows each other. You know, if you took, you know, Sporting KC, Real Salt Lake, you know, one of those, you know, teams that are playing well, it'd be a, it'd be, it would have been a much uh, different contest. But it was still, as, a, as far as a spectacle and an event, it was still, it was still a, a memorable event and, and a fun event. And anyone who was in Kansas City uh, uh, probably had a good time because I know I did. <laughs> um, I bet you did. Uh, in the game, though, it was, it was, I loved watching Michael Bradley go against the MLS All-Stars. I mean, I think there was one time when Beckerman had a shot, then Bradley slid and blocked the shot. It was kind of like, it was, it was kind of cool to see that. Um, but, but is this one of those games I was like, let's just say the U.S., I'm, not, I'm sorry, not the U.S., the MLS All-Stars beat Roma. I mean, it, it, could you even read into that? Or once again, it's still an exhibition game, right? Right, you shouldn't. I mean, I, I remember, you know, back when uh, you know, I think it was uh, Chelsea that MLS when MLS beat Chelsea, and you and you look at it and you say, you know what, uh, th- these teams are in preseason. I mean, I think Rome was a, a lot closer to their you know opening day form, but in years past, you had teams that were clearly uh, several weeks behind in terms of fitness and, and struggling against against you know t- uh, MLS teams that. <clears throat> that came in really, really hungry. I think this time around was a little different because you did have the whole Gold Cup thing on a Sunday at that. You know, you had a Gold Cup finally on Sunday. And then, uh, you know, a good number of those guys coming uh, coming to right to Kansas City to try to play on Wednesday. So that was a little tough. But again, it wasn't even about the game. And <laughs> it was just about the event as a whole from beginning to end, uh, from Monday to Wednesday, uh, just sporting Casey's chance to show what an amazing thing they've got going on and what they're growing in that area. Well, the last time MLS did a East versus West was in 2004, and there was a lot of talk before the game. I saw a lot of talk after the game. Should they change the format back? I say no because I think it's good when you get to bring over a European team. I think it's more exposure, creates a little more excitement in the game. What do you think, though? I, I'm a little torn on it, uh, I would say, because – and it's funny because after the match, uh, you know, that, that question came up. And, uh, Terry Henry had a really interesting uh, take on it because his point was, no, you should not go back to East-West. You should have the European opponents, the foreign opponents, because it, it helps create interest overseas. And, and, his, and his point was, look, when MLS played, uh, you know, uh, European teams, you know, in an all-star game, he, you know, he'd be inclined to watch it, as would people in Europe. No one in Europe is going go, to watch East-West. And that's a fair point for him to make. Uh, however, other players uh, that you know, like Kyle Beckerman and and, and Wondolowski, they they definitely made the point that you know the way the league is now, the way the league has grown, in East versus West could be a successful event, and it isn't at least in the in terms of in the U.S. in terms of filling a stadium, you could do that, you could have that. I mean, if you had East versus West and the games in a Western stadium, and let's just say hypothetically, you know, well, obviously next year the games in Portland, so let's say it's East versus West. And then you have a West team with you know Timbers players on it, uh, maybe some Sounders players on it going up against the East. You know, I think there's enough talent in the league that you can make it work. Or if you do Americans against internationals, you know, however you do it, like I think there's enough talent that it can work. Um, having said that, there there are obviously the merits to to playing a foreign opponent, especially if it's a high profile opponent. 
uh, just for the exposure, as you said. But again, when you do that, you run the risk of, of you know, looking bad potentially and being outclassed, especially just with the format when, you, when you're expecting guys to come in in, in you know, one day's training session, try to get a rhythm uh, before going up against the absolute top class team. So MLS has to think about it. And, uh, I, you know, I think either way, whatever they do, you know, I, I think the, the fact that the, all, the idea of the All-Star game is gaining interest because the league is gaining interest. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, MLS has been doing uh, European teams since 2005. And you mentioned, uh, you know, USA players versus the world players. Last time they did that was in 1998. And MLS uh, USA won six, six, beat the world six to one. I mean, look at the names on here. Lawless, McBride, Preggy Lasseter, Jones. I mean, I mean, some impressive names right there. Um, obviously, these guys should be scoring in the All-Star game regardless, though. And I'm sure we'll have this conversation going forward. Uh, there was one bit of uh, funny slash I don't know, take it what it is, was that rap video, which was the funniest thing ever. Kyle Beckerman was probably the smoothest person there. Wondolowski can't rap at all. Um, I know you had a chance to talk to some of those guys. I bet they love doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, they all took it for what it was. You know, I mean, it was supposed to be bad, and that's what, you know, that's why I don't know if any of them necessarily were, were too upset about it or didn't like how it came out. Um, you know, it, I thought yeah, you got to give them credit to, you know, get out of their comfort zones and try to do something like that. And obviously the folks at Funnier Die, uh, you know, did a good job with it. And it was absolutely hilarious. And at certain points it was a little cringeworthy, especially Wondolowski, who was just like a deer in headlights. And, you know, I remember, you know, I asked him, I talked to him after, after the All-Star game about it. And, and one of the funniest things about that is that he's actually a hip-hop fan. He's a pretty uh, pretty big-time hip-hop fan, and he has really? no rhythm. Yeah. He's, I'm surprised Wanda, by that. Wondolowski is a hip-hop head, and but he has no rhythm at all. So it was, just didn't work for him. At least, you know, some of the other guys, like you said, Kyle Beckerman had a good flow. I thought Mike McGee did all right for himself. He yeah. actually, uh, you know, I thought he did pretty well. And, and even uh, McInerney, McInerney did yeah. okay for himself. I, Brad Davis did pretty good, too. Ah, I don't know about that. You know, that was, so? uh, I don't know if I can you, go you know the video or Mike. I don't know if you but, saw but this. you know either way it was good it was entertaining and you know I, I think it only helps you know when when you have a a video like that you put it on Funnier Die which is you know one one of the more popular websites around so again it's about exposure and I think all those guys had fun with it except except maybe Wondolowski's Wondolowski that just that was just pretty awful and even Beckerman said it after the match he's like you know Wanda just gave up and it's a, it was pretty funny but it was a great idea great idea. My favorite was the part where they, they would cut to them, like, dancing, looking all cool. Then it would, like, cut to them just, like, looking down at the sheet and just reading their lines, like, word by word. It was pretty funny. It reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen this, Ivis. Have you seen the It's Mojo Time from the Kansas City Wizards video? I yeah. You, you got to see. People, if you have not seen it, watch this one. It's the Kansas City Wizards, like, dancing around to, like, an Awesome Powers theme song. And they keep saying, It's Mojo Time. And that was it. It's, like, the worst commercial you've ever seen. I suggest... Uh, everyone. So wait, was this based on Mo, Mo Johnston? I no, no, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a commercial from like a long time it has ago. To be. It it, has it's to it's be. called it's Mojo Time. Everyone where did, watched. Where it. did you see this commercial? I saw it on a website somewhere. It's like it's Chris Klein's in it, Nick Garcia, and Chris Henderson, and it's like set to Austin Powers, and the guys are like dribbling, and there's like, you know, like girls dancing, like Austin Powers. It's it's so bad. It's 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 the, the name of it. It's Mojo Time. I highly suggest. Oh, oh, I'm looking at it right now. Right I, now? I pulled it up. It's, it's a 30, it's, I get, I, I'm going to look at it right now. Okay. No, I, I'll, I'll look at it later. It's so bad. It's we might have to drop it in the link. It's 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 hilarious. Um, but I guess enough goofing around. Everyone wants us to get to the biggest news, and that was what Don Garber said at halftime. Right now, in 2013, MLS has 19 teams. It's crazy to think that that number will increase to 24. By 2020, in seven years. That's insane just to think of that. And now speculation is beginning. People are talking, what are these teams? The 20 team, we already know. That's going to be in New York. And now you wonder what those four teams will be. You wonder if that's going to be Orlando City, Miami with David Beckham. Okay, well, that leaves two cities left. It's going to be a, a mad scramble. I mean, do you think this is a good opportunity for MLS to expand by this many teams by the end of the decade? I think so. I think it, I think it's the time's right. <clears throat> I think the fact that if you just look at I know some people are already starting with the uh, panic mode, uh, negative ideas about what you know what this means, and I remember you're already hearing, "Uh oh, the league's doomed to repeat the the failings of the, of the past, NASL, and all this and that." Listen, folks, the league is thriving right now. The league has hit home runs. You know, not to cross uh, references here, but they've, well, they've hit it out of the park with their last few expansion teams. When you think about the likes of Portland. 
in Montreal and Vancouver. Uh, you know, they're all doing really well, and you have you ha- and because of that, and with it, and, and in part because of that, you have so much more interest now around the country. Different markets want in. They've got ownership groups. They've got money. They they want to they want to buy in. So if you're MLS and you're seeing your expansion, um, you know, be so successful, why you know why hold back? You know why not take full advantage of the opportunity? And I know there's questions about the player pool diluting the depth and all this and that. But you know, yes, that, that there are questions. But again, those can be resolved. How by spending money by making sure you're going to spend the money to keep to to to. Uh, Boost the talent pool and also player academies. Teams have to start doing a good job of developing talent so they that they can they can speed up that process of producing players. And uh, you know, I think it can work. I think it worked. And, and, and I mean, think about this, right? I mean, the league is nineteen teams right now. Uh-huh. Um, it was ten. It was ten teams uh, ten years ago. So I mean. Think about that. So yeah. the league has grown. If you would have told people, uh, all right, the league's going to practice almost double in size in ten years, and people would thought you're crazy. So it's not that far fetched. And and uh, there used to be concerns about expansion diluting the talent pool uh, years ago. Um, and look at it now. If anything, you know, there there's more talent. The mm-hmm. teams are stronger. Uh, even though I know there's some people who would argue that some people say, "Oh, the quality of the league's not as good," and I don't buy into that. I think the league, the quality of the league, is actually really good and improving. So it's I I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's perfect uh, a perfect approach, a perfect thing to do. Uh, again, you have to be careful with the markets and who who you have buy in. But uh-huh. I think that they 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 because it's not exactly cheap anymore to buy an MLS. I, I think from oh. that standpoint. Generally speaking, the guy, the teams that are and the ownership groups that are buying in have the resources to succeed. Okay, couple couple things that I want to I want to talk about with this right now. MLS their TV rights are going to come up. They're going to end in 2014. So MLS is going to go to the table with, like you said, a league that is thriving. They're adding a New York team and then four more markets to their team. You have to assume that the money that they got one, it's going to go up just because you know it's a new negotiation. Cost wise, it's going to go up for MLS. But you wonder what that number could be. How high could it go with the new markets? And now that brings in the next question, though. With the new markets coming in, another New York team, they'll probably bring in maybe a little bit more money than, let's say, you had a team in St. Louis. The thing is, I asked with this, Ivis, that $100 million franchise fee that the that Manchester City and the New York Yankees paid, will MLS charge that for some other cities? Let's say <clears throat> Orlando City. Will they have to spend $100 million? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think that remains to be seen. I don't know if that's going to be the standard fee. I think that was the fee uh, to buy into New York. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout, you know, everything costs more in New York. Anyone who's been in New York can tell you that. Uh, but no, I, I, I doubt that uh, Orlando City is going to have to pay $100 million or St. Louis or uh, Atlanta or Carolina, any of these other potential markets. I don't think, I don't think that's the price that's been set. I mean, I could be wrong. But um, obviously, New York—you're you, talking about that that market. You, you need to have the big bucks to to even make it in New York. So you, if you're the, if you're MLS, you want to make sure you set that bar high, uh, you know, for an owner. Well, and the thing is, you wonder with this. Uh, you, I mean, the speculation is going to be insane, Ivis, over over who's going to get it. Do you, I, I don't want to like I don't want to offend anyone in any cities, um, but do you think there's some cities that? are a little bit better positioned to make a serious run at this? I think there's a lot of cities. I think there's a lot of cities that, uh, you know, are in decent position. I mean, and again, there are some that, you know, there's still questions about. I know a lot. Of, I know people still talk about St. Louis, right, and, and how St. Louis should be in the league. But if you don't have the owner, if you don't have the big bucks, the deep-pocketed person to be the, front, the, the leader of a bid, you're not going to get a team. And as of right now, St. Louis doesn't have that. Uh, Orlando City obviously has done, has done a great job uh, of building themselves up and putting themselves in a position. I, it's, they look like a pretty good bet, uh, and I think both. I think you're going to have to have two teams there. And, and if anything, this this number <clears throat> expanding by four makes it that much more likely that we're going to see two Florida teams again. And and I think that'd be a great kind of uh, accomplishment for Don Garber when you think about the fact that when he first came on board. Uh, the league lost the two Florida teams with Miami and Tampa Bay. Obviously, that wasn't his fault. But by the time he got there, the, you know those teams were struggling as it was. But you know it would definitely be a feather in his cap if you know we, the league gets up to twenty four, has a presence in the Southeast again, 
and and I think I think you're going to see those two th- teams. And uh, you know, after that, it's it's I think it's pretty wide open. Whether it's you know some of the NASL markets uh, or you know uh, we talk about in Atlanta, um, where you know you want to start maybe building up that presence in the South. Well, I mean, I think Garber could have two feathers in his cap for getting the New York team and then getting the Florida teams back. Well, I think once the stadium is built, then, yeah, yeah, then it, right. it'll be like the full accomplishment of having that other New York, New York team. Okay, here's here's another question for you. With the expansion that NASL is going through, do you think MLS possibly saw them as a threat? And this is why they want to add more teams. No, not at all, man. Where does that come from? No, no, it's just a question. MLS is not worried about the NASL. MLS is moving along. They are growing and they, and they're going to keep and they're going to keep pushing it, right? Cuz if you keep winning, if you keep hitting you know, if you're if you're at the blackjack table uh-huh. and you're just riding that hot streak, if you really want to make some money, you better start you know betting a little bit more so you can get to maximize this hot streak. MLS is doing that. MLS sees that hey, we've hit at we've hit a math park with 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 all these last few expansion teams. So let's keep it rolling. And, and if anything, the, the success of those teams uh, of of teams like Portland, Vancouver, Montreal is doing well already. Uh, you know, it, it just it's gonna bring out the 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 rich guys, the millionaires, the billionaires, the guy, the, you know, the people who can make teams work. Uh, they see the success because again, it's all about make you know a business. You know, it's a business at the end, of course. Uh, and they see it as a they see it as a, vi- a viable investment. And and I think that's that's huge because then, then you you know as a league you want to have a diverse ownership group, a pool of owners, and, and it can only help the league. And I think right now, you know, based on what we're hearing, it sounds like there are ownership groups all over the country that are waiting to buy in. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to put down some money, Ivis. I mean, they're going to have to pay down for the franchise fee, and then they're going to have to, if they don't have a soccer-specific stadium, they're going to have to get that going. Then you count operating first-year operating costs. I mean, you know, you're cocking in the 200 maybe $300 million range for to get. I mean, I'm just speculating here. But I'm just you, you just, yeah, you just totally made up a number. I know. Oh, just, I'm speculating, uh, but it's not. But it's that's not, not even close. Uh, but what I'm saying, though, but I'm saying, though, it's not like how it was. $300 million to operate an MLS team. Well, really? Well, on, okay, well, how much do you think? It's not $300 million. You could run the league for like five years with that money. No, no. It's it's less no, than no, that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking expansion fee. Then you got to build a stadium if you don't have one. And then, you know, marketing first year salaries. I'm just talking like first year costs. It's not like. How about, how about we just ago. don't talk about those, those figures because you're pulling them out of your ass right now. I got to okay, tell you. Well, I, I, I'm kind of somewhat comparing it to the New York team. Um, well, look, not, not everywhere is New York. You can't. That I is mean, true. It's like you really you can't compare New York to anywhere else. But listen, listen, let's. When it comes down to it, yes, you want to have owners that have financial muscle to not just buy into the league, but to to run a strong team that can not only compete, but that can help the league, uh, help boost the league. I mean, look at uh, Seattle is a perfect example, right? Seattle Sounders, mm-hmm. they they have the financial muscle, and not, not so they were able to build. Uh, a pretty good team right off the bat, and they've done a good job over the years. And and, and because of that, they've cult- cultivated this fan base. And now they've got some money to spend. They they have money to go get themselves a, a Oba Femi Martins if they want. Uh, or and now you know with this, <laughs> this move to get Shari Joseph uh, off the DP book, now they can go get another DP. So you know that they're they've got those they've got the money to spend, and that's what you want. You want an owner that that. It isn't just a rich owner, but an owner that that can that knows what to do with that money. And I think now we're seeing more and more owners, uh, ownership groups come in, a more diverse group, and and more successful businessmen that can help the league keep growing. Well, Ivis, you brought up a excellent transition right there. Not only was it a week for MLS headlines, it's also been that two, maybe the last two three days of big Americans abroad headlines. You mentioned Seattle. There's been a lot of talk about Clint Dempsey going to Seattle. I'm going to let you kill that right now. I don't think I don't think anyone needs me to kill it. I think anyone rational has already figured out by now that this is just just a pipe dream. This is just one of these things that 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 you know grows legs and, and everyone goes crazy on, and then there's no, and there's nothing there, you know. Uh, so uh, anyone who has who has yet to kind of wake up to the realization that this is not happening. Uh, now you know it's not happening. So, uh, is Clem Dempsey possibly moving from Tottenham? Yes, that's a possibility. He apparently was in San Francisco. There's a lot of teams in America right now, uh, European teams, 
playing in friendlies. So from that standpoint, you could definitely kind of make that jump that say, hey, you know what? It looks like maybe he's joining a new team or he's meeting up with officials from a different club in Europe. Yes, that's all possible. But uh, the whole, you know, Clint Dempsey to Seattle movement that seemed to happen on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night was crazy. I mean, you know, that's the po- the power of social media, the power of Twitter, when you can have one person pretty much say, hey, uh, Clint Dempsey's on my flight to Seattle. Uh-oh. You know, and then and, and well, the yeah. funniest thing is that the tweet that kind of sparked that, uh, the person who tweeted it, who I actually know pretty well, uh, a good buddy of mine out in Seattle, uh Jorge Perea of, of Galasso Energy Drink, uh, he tweeted like soon after that, like basically saying, oh, wrong, I was wrong. He's not on my flight. He just went to a different gate. But no one seemed to pick that up. Every, everyone kind of ignored that and just ran with the original tweet, which was, oh, hey, it's got my flight to Seattle. So, you know, uh, I kind of feel bad for Seattle fans. Although Eddie Johnson, actually Eddie Johnson was the first to squash it uh, on Twitter when he was pretty much like, listen, if, if Clint Dempsey was coming to Seattle, I would have blabbed about it by now, you know. I I would have uh, I would have let the cat out of the bag by now. Although he seemed to change up later on at night and kind of play the coy uh, what if game. But this is one thing I will say about Clint Dempsey uh-huh. and MLS. I've talked to Clint Dempsey about MLS before um, and just the whole idea of coming back. And the sense I get from him is is like there's still some resentment there from the way things went down when he left the league. And for those who who don't have that, you know, who, who don't. You know whether you don't have the long memories or you just weren't into the th- into the whole thing, the league and everything back then. You know he had uh, options. He had some some tr- possibilities for transfers that the league turned down and that he was definitely not happy about having turned down. Uh, and you know I-, I left a bad taste in his mouth. And I think to this day it's still something that you know is a negative memory for him. So I, I just don't see it. I just don't see him uh, all of a sudden you know going from. Yes, I want to play Champions League soccer. That's the goal. That's the ultimate goal. I need to do that to, okay, now I'm just going to come back to MLS. I just don't think it's the time. So, you know, the, the, this is just another – it just seems like this is just another one of these random rumors that just grows legs. And uh, I think if, if if you want to talk about Clint Dempsey possibly moving – and, again, I talked to his agent a few weeks ago, and at the time he said, look, if someone comes in and makes a big offer and, and like, overpays for him, then, yes, Tottenham – you would imagine would listen, but Tottenham wasn't actively pushing to sell him. So it, it'll be interesting to see what is out there, who might be interested, who might be ready to pony up some money for him. I just don't think it's going to be an MLS team. So Dempsey was in Seattle. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, San Francisco. That's interesting. That he, apparently he was because you know Everton and uh, Juventus was out there. Interesting. Right. Well, that well that's the thing. I mean, uh, Taylor Twellman. Uh, I think suggested it on Twitter, uh, the idea of, of uh, Clint Dempsey to Everton. And Ever- Everton's had interest in Dempsey before. Actually, when he was in MLS, they had interest in him. So uh, it, it wouldn't be that shocking. The question would be, you know, what are they willing to pay? What what, what are they going to pay Tottenham? Is it going to be enough? Uh, is Everton really, really trying to push to spend more money uh, now that they have their, their new manager and they want to, you know, try to compete for Champions League place? Um, so that you know, that'd be an interesting move for him. I mean, if Tom, basically at the end of the day, if he, if if Andres Villas Boas does not have him have Dempsey in his plans, then yes, he should move. He should go somewhere where he's going to be a, a like a you know have a good strong role on the team. And I think if he went to Everton, he'd obviously be have a big role on that team. So that's going to be one to watch. Uh, but yeah, I, I think folks just be a little careful about what rumors. Uh, you jump on and and what rumors uh, you know really actually have some legs. Well, clearly Everton's going to go for Dempsey to get the American market because you know Stoke America clearly has it right now. We can get into that in just a second. Uh, the biggest news coming out though is Breck Shea. Bad news out four weeks with an MCL sprain. I mean, for a guy Ivis that had his ups and downs in the Gold Cup, but I think came out of it on a positive note. This is just horrible news. Um. Yeah, Garrett, you're so like off base right now. You've totally missed the plot on that one. Uh, actually, that is a pretty good news if uh, you're paying attention because he, the tackle that he was injured on, looked like he was gonna wipe him out for months and wipe him out potentially uh, lengthy a lengthy injury like Stuart Holden. You know, possible torn ACL. That was the big fear at the time. So I was able to on SBI. We were able to break the story. 
Breck Shea, sprained MCL. He will be out up to four weeks. That is absolutely good news, considering what could have happened. And, you know, it is. It's unfortunate. It's the beginning of the year. He's supposed to be yeah, fighting for the... playing time in Stoke City. Hey, look, no, it's bad news, but cons- we already knew he was injured. So this is this isn't uh, the, the trust me. The people who read the story that he's out four weeks with a strained MCL were a, were ecstatic because it wasn't a torn ACL. So it's a, if anything, it was good news. So it's unfortunate that Matt Castle delivered that ugly tackle, and now he's you know Castle <laughs> Castle doesn't have a lot of fans right now thanks to that tackle. But you know what, Breck Shea's been through a lot of stuff before. And you like to think that you know he'll be able to get through this and get back in there and compete for playing time. Look at you, totally throwing me under the bus right there. I think all injuries. Hey man, are bad. I'm just you know. I think all injuries are bad, especially for someone like Shea who just you, you know, I, I view it as with all the setbacks he's had with injuries. And, and I know last year, I mean, look, he had the the I think it was the extra bone in his foot they had to get removed or something like that, and, and then too much playing time. I it just. You just kind of want to see things go really. For me, me personally, I would just like to see things go well for him consistently you know i don't want to hear anything you know what i mean does that make sense look he was injured we knew he was injured <laughs> but it turned out he wasn't as hurt as we thought so it's good news okay. that's that's how you should it's how most people are saying it that's, that's okay all well talking. speaking of stoke america um there's some talk that they may be adding some new guys i mean obviously we know they have break say jeff cameron marisa do uh however though there's some speculation that omar gonzalez is being looked at and juan agadello is being looked at what are the chances of these actually happening Okay, let me break them down for you. Juan Agadello, the reports came out of, of England that there's a possibility there. There's some interest there. Uh, Agadello is a free agent uh, come January 1st. He's in the last year of his contract. He's not I, – I would, I would bet a decent amount of money that he will not resign in MLS. Uh, he will go to Europe. Uh, so, so I, you know, I wouldn't get too crazy about the Stoke talk. I think it, I think they're interested. I think it's a possibility, but I think it's just early in the whole process. I think you know if he can get back healthy and he can get back to playing well and scoring goals, I think the the list of teams that are interested is going to grow. It's going to absolutely grow because he's he's had he's had interest from teams in the past, whether it's Liverpool or Fulham or Celtic clubs that you know saw him, were aware of him, liked his liked his qualities at a young age. So you know uh, the Stoke thing. I think it, it, it's the it's the hot rumor right now because you know it came out of England. And yes, is that a possibility? Are they interested? Yes, they are. But I don't think anyone should go printing their Juan Agadello Stoke City jerseys just yet. As far as Omar Gonzalez, I I wrote that on Wednesday night uh, during the All Star game actually because I I came to find out that Omar Gonzalez did meet with officials from Stoke City on Wednesday. It wasn't anything crazy, uh, you know. He they they were at the they were actually at the the league hotel, uh, uh, the All Star Hotel. You know, you could sp- you could spot Gonzalez and his agent speaking to some some officials, which at the, which at the time it was like you know we didn't know who they were. Uh, but you know, I, I came to you know uh, speak to I talked spoke to my sources, and my sources told me it was officials from Stoke City, and that's an inter- an, an interesting one because. Look, he's he's also out of contract at the end of this year, so he can go anywhere he wants. And if you're, you know, we all know Stoke City loves those, you know, big tall American players. So, uh, big tall players in general. I mean, it's like they're they're a football slash basketball team almost. So, you know, if they can get a Gonzalez on a free transfer, you know, it wouldn't be the most far fetched idea ever. Having said that, I still think Mexico is a very real possibility for him. There's some clubs in Mexico that are absolutely interested in him, and Mexico can pay well. So if uh, you know, do I see him staying in MLS? I don't know about that one. I'm not sure if Gonzalez uh, comes back, but yes, apparently Stoke City is a possibility. Well, if he's keeping it uh, U.S. Men's National Team uh, related, once a month you always do your uh, projected U.S. Men's National Team World Cup roster for 2014. Uh, you know, this one's a little bit different. Lots of speculation coming out of the Gold Cup, whether or not some guys made the list. Landon Donovan. Some guys have been dropped from the list. Everyone can check it out uh, on the website, soccerbyivis.net, if you want to look at the list. But, um, you know, we, we don't need to break it down too, too, too much. But are, are there any guys, Ivis, that from the Gold Cup or just in general have made, let's say the World Cup started tomorrow, made that roster, or at least if you were naming the roster, made your roster if the World Cup started tomorrow? Well, no, no, no. See, the roster that I name is not a if the World Cup started tomorrow roster. It's a looking ahead to what the roster can be. Because 
the World Cup will not start tomorrow, so there's no point in projecting that. You project uh, looking forward to ahead to next year and who's on pace to be there next year. So if you have someone who's injured now, obviously they're not going to be. If we did the whole, if the World Cup started tomorrow, then no, you wouldn't have an injured player on there. But you know, if it's not that serious, you can project them to be healthy next year. Then that's that's what we do. So uh, as far as who's on it, look, Landon Donovan was already on our, my projected. Uh, 23-man roster, even before the Gold Cup. Uh, you know, I saw him doing well. I saw him getting back into the fold. So that one's not too much of a surprise. Uh, as far as guys who did well in the Gold Cup and, and pushed themselves into the conversation, uh, I had a f- quite a few guys. Alejandro Bedoya, I think, it, it had a really strong finish to the Gold Cup and has put himself there. Uh, I think Mixed Discrude uh, for right now is someone that you can say has a good possibility of going there. And I think Kyle Beckerman. I think he established himself really well. And when you talk about injuries to guys like Maurice Adu, Danny Williams, that kept them from playing this summer with the national team, I think he, I think Beckerman gained ground uh, in, in that regard. So, uh, you know, as far as defenders go, I think Steve Chirondolo is one that people will, I think people will be like, will be a bit surprised to see me include him. But every sense I get is that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, if he, if Chirondolo is healthy, Jurgen Klinsmann will have him be part of the team. He's still a quality player. He's a great leader. Uh, as a right back, he's the most complete right back in the pool still, even at his age. Uh, and, you know, I, I, so for that reason, I think if he's healthy uh, come May of next year, uh, when it's time to put the World Cup team together, I think he'll be on it. I've looked at the list, and, and I agree with you on the most part. The only thing is, I don't know if I would have named Bedoya to the list. I think you could just get more value out of someone like Hercules Gomez who can also play right mid um, and the no, other guys no, I, I just, I just don't see I just don't see if I made a list I just I would not have Bedoya on there I like him as a player I think he what he provides on the field is awesome but I think you just can have other guys other than that though I was I give you an A plus on your list though because you know. <laughs> so so you're telling me your list is exactly the same as my list except you well, would go okay, Gomez okay. over Bedoya yeah I would do Gomez over Bedoya and Kyle Beckerman would not make my list I don't know who I'd so who would there. so who would go for him then um probably Breck Shea I would go Breck Shea over Kyle Beckerman. So then your roster would have... Oh, yeah, uh, I only have two Honeymans. i got to think about this a little, little more detail. Yeah, you probably should have done I a got, little homework there. All right, well, okay. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I have time to think about it. But still, I would put Gomez over Bedoya. I love Kyle Beckerman. You know that. So, But how does... I mean, Gomez, and they don't, they don't play the same position. I think you can service Gomez on the right, or you can stick Eddie Johnson. I, I mean, Bedoya's I, I, playing right. I don't, I, you have, I don't think, I think... In the World Cup, I don't think that's I don't know. Don't well, you got... That, well, I mean, you have... Okay, well, for me, for Bedoya, you still have Graham Zuzzi, Landon Donovan on top of him, Joe Corona showed, I mean, Joe Corona's more of a center mid, which I think that's more natural for him, but he showed that he can also play on the wing, too. I, I like Bedoya, but I just, I don't I don't know, I don't know. But then again... Hey, I'm not saying you have to put him on the list, but, I mean, if you're going to make an argument and say, hey, he shouldn't be there, I want to hear the argument for the guy who should be there, and I don't really hear one right now. So, you've you got to have a certain number of wingers, I, in my opinion, and looking at the group that I put on there, uh, I have four wingers. You have Zussi, Donovan, Corona, Bedoya. Corona played exclusively on the wing in the tournament. Uh, Klinsman sees him as a right winger, and he did well as right winger in in the in their four four two system that they played in the in the um, in the Gold Cup. Look, I'm not saying Bedoya's an absolute rock solid lock. He's just someone that I think, based on what he was able to show in this Gold Cup and what he's been showing on the club level, he is someone who's heading in a good direction. And if he makes the move, the club move that that has been rumored, if he goes to FC Twente in the Dutch League, I mean, that's a quality team. Great opportunity for him to continue to improve and continue to impress. Just looking at the other guys there, I mean, I'm sorry. I just don't, I just don't see, when you're talking about wing options, I just don't see many there. Breck Shea, that's a, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to say what's going to happen with Breck Shea. He has to first actually establish himself as a player, getting regular minutes at Stoke City, before I can honestly project him onto the goal, uh, onto the World Cup team for next year. So from that standpoint, that's why I think Bedoya is absolutely a solid option when you're talking about trying to have enough good wingers on that team. Some other news also broke this week, MLS related. Uh, the Lamar, uh, I'm sorry, the Hunt Sports Group. Excuse me, Lamar Hunt, but the Hunt Sports Group has sold the Columbus Crew for 68 million. Uh, that's a record to Anthony Precourt. Um, do you see the sale as being a good thing? I think so. I mean, I think that you know when you think about on Sports Group, uh, uh, they ha- they own two teams. They own the Crew and they own FC Dallas. And I think by selling the team, by selling the Crew, it allows them to focus on FC Dallas. Uh, and you know, 
it's tough to say for sure what would to expect from this new ownership group, but you know, based the sense you get is that they have the financial muscle to to, to help Columbus uh, become a stronger team. And look, Columbus won an MLS Cup in '08. Great team that they put together that year. But but over but over time, it hasn't necessarily been a team that you that that was that was identified as being a big spending team, being a, a strong a financially viable team. Now you've got a new owner in there. You want to see what he can do, and and I think it's good for the league. I think it's good for the league to have add another owner to the ownership group, and it and I think it also should help Hunt Sports Group uh, add more resources and and put more into running FC Dallas and and making FC Dallas successful. So I think it helps two clubs. It's crazy to think, though. I mean, looking at the numbers for when the crew entered the league, I think it was five million dollars back in the day. That's just it's it's funny when you look at some of these numbers, Ivis. Hey man, it's uh, inflation and and the, just the growth of the league. Yeah. The growth of the league, the league is is a thriving league right now. So it, you know you can get that kind of money. Well, going into this weekend, we have a full slate of games as always. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, you got the number one and number two teams taking on each other. You got Sporting Kansas City uh, taking on the New York Red Bulls. Red Bulls coming off of their, you take it for what it is. I mean, they're kind of they 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 won very emotionally, but it was a little bit of, of a letdown. Sporting Kansas City, they got. Bit you know the way they bit RSL. Um, do you see what do you see in this game? I mean, do you see Sporting Kansas City defeating the New York Red Bulls? Well, one big question for Sporting Kansas City coming into this game is Graham Zusi. Uh, it looks like he's going to miss the game. He's probably going to miss the game with the uh, injury that he suffered uh, in the All Star game. Uh, it seems like it's just you know a, a strain or, or a thigh bruise or what, not a bruise, but it seems like it's a thigh strain that's going to keep him out of this game. That's a big loss for for them. I mean, he's obviously the catalyst of their attack. Um, having said that, I still like their chances just because the Red Bulls are not a good road team. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Henry after the All Star after the All Star game, and he was like, "You know, uh, we haven't won it. We haven't won on the road all year." And I'm like, "I don't know if that's true," but he was just kind of making the point that the team has not been that good on the road all year, uh, and I don't think that's going to change. I think Casey's tough at home. Uh, I think they, you know, they're going to come in there. They get Matt Beastler back uh, after the, you know, being away from the, for the Gold Cup. I, I think that's going to be big for them, and I think they still have enough weapons uh, in their attack. You talk about Claudio Beeler and, and Sunny Saad, who's been great lately, and uh, and even Till Bunbury. Till Bunbury is a guy who I think is going to start coming on for, you know, maybe this not this game right away, but you know, I had a chance to talk to him uh, last night actually, and uh, you know, caught up with him. And he 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 sounds really excited about getting back into action, and he's someone that has kind of become a forgotten man because he's missed almost a year of, of action, uh, and people forget, you know, the kind of prospect that he was and still is. So, uh, with so much talent there, plus Kai Kamara, I think even without Zusi, I think they're going to have too many weapons for the Red Bulls defense to deal with. In uh, one of the one of the, in one of the rivalry games this weekend, RSL is going to be traveling over to Denver to take on the Colorado Rapids. I was, I think if someone said you got to circle this date on August uh, on August third as a must-watch game, you got the number one and number two team in the Western Conference taking on each other. Colorado Rapids are number two in the Western Conference. However, though, I think you got to side with RSL on this because one, their depth is looked pretty good in the run that they've been in. They're also going to get Tony Beltran back, Nick Romando, and Kyle Becker back in this game, and that's going to be huge to them, especially on the defensive side, having Tony Beltran back for that defense that has had a lot of injuries and really once struggled against New York last week. And plus, if RSL wins this, well, whoever wins this wins the Rocky Mountain Cup. So obviously they got a lot of pride on the line for this one. But do you see RSL defeating Colorado with, with the, you know, I don't want to say reinforcements, but the guys coming back from national duty? Man, you're pretty pumped up about this, man. I don't know. I don't think you're helping the whole Garrett is an RSL oh my employee God. thing just with, with how enthusiastic you were just now about that team. Look, yes, it's going to help Real to get those guys back. But you have to still look at the fact this is a road game. Colorado's tough at home. It, it's a tough place to win. Uh, and Colorado's on a roll. I mean, you just completely ignore. I mean, yes, these guys, Real Salt Lake, they're getting guys back. Yes, that's great. But you can't just gloss over the fact that the Rapids have been one of the hottest teams in the league, right? I mean, that's still happening, right? I mean, the Rapids have been playing really well. So I, I think, you know, you got to give them a little respect. You, gotta, you have to give the Rapids, I think the Rapids have earned uh, a little respect for the, the run they've put together now. You know, they're unbeaten in, what is it now, six games. Um, I think they're going to make it a tough one. Uh, and Real Salt Lake, 
obviously coming off of the, you know, we're talking two straight losses now for them. Um, without those guys, but now they're getting, you know, their players back from the Gold Cup. That's going to help. This is a tough one to call. This is a tough one to call. Like you said, Real Salt Lake should be better mm. getting those guys back. But it's still, when you talk about rival, rivalry games, it's never that simple, especially when the, 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 the stronger, quote-unquote stronger team is on the road. I'm going to go with Colorado in this one. Even though I think it's going to be a tie, but I'm going to say Colorado knocks off of Real Salt Lake. Um, staying in the Western Conference, you got, this is an interesting one, you got, the Seattle Sounders take it on FC Dallas. I think, what, four weeks ago, FC Dallas was the number one spot in the Western Conference, but now they're in sixth um, out of the playoffs. Then you got Seattle right here. This is an interesting one, Ivis, because not that Dallas needs to maybe hit the panic button yet, but you kind of wonder, I mean, if Seattle beats FC Dallas in this game, I mean, when does FC Dallas kind of sit there and go, man, where did the season go wrong? Well, you know, I, I tell you what, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I hate to, hate to do, like beat these uh, beat these comments uh, over and over, but I mean, look, they overachieved early in the year. A lot of things went their way, and it, it's a long season, so you're gonna have, like we we say all the time, streaks and slumps. Uh-huh. But I think this is a little, you know, hey, I picked Dallas beginning of the year. I picked them eighth in the West, and two a month into the season, two months into the season, Dallas fans were like absolutely giddy, pointing that out. And I think when you look at it now, they're a little, it's a little, you know, it's a little bit more realistic to what they, what you know, what they were expected to be. Having said that, they, I think they're they're a better team than they than they've shown lately. They're going to get Blas Perez back. Obviously, that's huge for them. So, I think that should help them in, in this game. But uh, you know, for me, you know, Seattle at home, uh, Eddie Johnson's back. Uh, maybe they'll have Clint Dempsey. I am absolutely kidding. Uh, but Eddie, Johnson, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Johnson's back. Uh, I, I think. I think. I think they're going to roll. I think they're going to, you know, keep that uh, FC Dallas uh, winless streak on, which is now at two, four, six, eight, two, four, six, eight games. Think about that eight game winless streak for them. Um, and uh, I think Seattle. I think they're going to start heating up now. I mean, I know they finally got a win to snap their little three game uh, uh, winless streak. But I think the I think the Seattle I've been saying it for a while now. I think Seattle's going to start turning it around. Um, does Eddie Johnson show up with the lightning bolt still in his hair? Uh, yeah, I don't think he gives rid of it. I mean, I think he's got to feel a little lucky with it, right? I mean, <laughs> he did pretty well at the Gold Cup with it. That is true. That that, that is actually very true. Um, we got another rivalry cup this weekend. That's the Cascadia Cup. Cascadia Cup's really going to heat up here. Um, as the season goes on, you got five games between the Whitecaps, Sounders, and uh, Timbers. Um, Earlier season games are a little bit more spread out, not as frequent, but you still got you got two games in August, three games in October. Uh, you got the Timbers taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Interesting stat: the Portland has never lost to Vancouver in MLS play, so clearly you have to side with Portland in this game. Uh, this is a tough one. This is a tough. One. Uh, you know what? It's not a tough one. I'm going to go with Portland. Uh, you know, I, I think they're at home. They have their full team back, uh, and, and and Vancouver's starting to slide. You know, they they've lost two in a row. Uh, you have to wonder what, where, you know what they're where they are right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Portland. I just I, I just think Portland's going to start as we're getting into the second half of the season. I think they're really going to start turning it up. Do you think that they? Uh, I, I mean, this is all speculation, but do you think it's going to? I mean, when you look at the West, do you, will you think it will come down to what them and RSL? Or do you see any other teams competing for that number one spot in the West? Maybe the Galaxy turning on. Maybe the Rapids. Do, do you see? Do, who do you see as kind of like the number one team right now in the West? Uh, well, Salt Lake. You still have to go. I mean, I think you know you have to you have to go Salt Lake right now. But again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's number one in August, right? It doesn't matter at all. So I think what matters is the four teams that get the the five teams that get in. Who's who? Which of the teams are most equipped to win it all? I mean, in this league, that's what matters because you can be you can have a, a nice run. Finish well in standings, but then it doesn't matter. Like say, hey, San, San Jose Earthquakes, right? They, they they ran away with the West last year. Did it matter in the playoffs? Not at all. So I don't I don't know if we should even like get into that. But hey, Salt Lake, you have to give them the credit. They have they put the points on the board. Uh, they're currently they currently have the best record in the league. So you got to give them their credit. But I, I still think the Galaxy. I still think Seattle. Uh, I think those teams are going to be there near the end, to, along with Salt Lake. And I think Portland. I think Portland. 
Although I, I think next year really is the year. I think for me, if I, you know, just based on the moves they're making, the moves they can make next year, uh, you know, I think the Timbers for 2014 could be unstuck, could be just an absolute force. Having said that, I, I, I'm going to, you're going to want to see what Caleb Porter can do in the playoffs. Uh, you know, obviously he's, you know, he's, he's won NCAA title on the college level, but you want to see him matched up with, the top coaches like the Bruce Arenas, uh, Jason Christ in the playoff format. I, you can't wait because you know it's going to be great. So I, I, those are the teams I think that are, you have to look at in the West. Uh, the Philadelphia Union will be hosting the Chicago Fire. Um, this is this is an interesting game because Jack McInerney has, is a little bit of a cold spell as of late. However, though, he has scored against Chicago in the last three meetings. Philadelphia has a really good chance here to create some breathing room for themselves in the Eastern Conference if they can beat Chicago at home. However, though, Ivis, Chicago, even though they hit a skid a couple weeks ago, they're back on a two-game uh, unbeaten streak. What do you think happens in this one? Uh, this is a tough one. This is definitely a tough one. You know, I keep want, I keep thinking, I keep expecting the Union to kind of come back down to earth, and they keep and they keep putting up results. They keep put up when you don't expect them to. I mean, look, I don't know how many people had them going on the road and beating Vancouver, right? I can't imagine many did. And look, we know it was a, there was an early red card that helped. Obviously, that did help uh, the Union. But, you know, they keep putting the results up. Having said that, this Chicago team is, uh, you know, when you, when you just look at how teams have looked over the last month or so, they've been one of the better teams in the league. And I think, uh, you know, when you, when you put that together, uh, it's, just, it's just, that's a tough one. It's a, you know, Philly's at home. So you have to you want to you want to give them you want to give them the edge. I think you know what I'll, I'll give Philly the edge. They're at home, but it's going to be close. You know how do you you know can they stop Mike McGee? How, how will uh, how will Chicago's new new forward signing uh, do? I, I don't I, I don't know if he's actually available for the match, but if he is, that I mean that's another wild card in the mix. But I think it's going to be a good game at PPL on Saturday. Ivis, let's drop down a division. Let's talk NASL. The New York Cosmos. Um, are set to begin play. I mean, this is clearly going to be very, very exciting for, for Cosmos fans. I mean, the Cosmos are, you know, I, mean, look, I don't need to go into details about them. Everyone knows who the New York Cosmos are. NASL, for people who just are kind of wondering, they do a spring championship and a fall championship. Atlanta won the spring championship. Um, but still, though, I mean, New York Cosmos, I mean, this is good for NASL. This is going to create some excitement for them. And, I mean, they have some teams that people do pay attention to. And, and you know, you have some good teams. I mean, San Antonio Scorpions have their own stadium. Uh, Minnesota United is, you know, has a good base up there, and you know, obviously, this is going to be very exciting for NASL to have the Cosmos playing for them. Right, without a doubt. I mean, I think it's going to help uh, increase the visibility of the league. And I know it's just funny, right? I mean, there there just seem to be so many people who want to be down on this whole idea of the Cosmos, and uh, you know, it's it, it, the fact remains you have an ownership group there that is spending money trying to build a strong team. And, you know, it's not about MLS. It's not about competing with MLS or trying to get into MLS. They're just trying to build a strong team in a, in a big market, in an important market. And, and you have to give it to them. They've put together a pretty pretty impressive roster. And, and you want to see how it comes together and how the fan base comes together. Because, hey, look, you're talking about a team, you know, three decades uh, out of action and, uh, you know, how many? I don't know how many of their original fans are are, are still going to be part of that. But you obviously have you know new, younger fans who, who've kind of bought into the idea and want to be a part of that and want to, you know, see if if they are part of something that grows into into something impressive. And, and you know, just look at that. Just you know, with some of the signings they've done, uh, they they've added to the team. Whether it's like a Marco Senna or a Danny Zatella, you know, the hometown kid who who's trying to you know resurrect his career. I think there's so many storylines there. Uh, they're they're going to absolutely be uh, interesting to watch. And and, um, and and the NESL, the thing is, the NSL is growing. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, they're ex- much like MLS. They're expanding. And a big imp- and, a, and a very important thing is that they, they're adding ownership groups that have financial clout, and that can only help, right? Because the more the more strong owners you have. The better your league's going to be, and, and the sense you get when when you talk about the different ownership groups there, uh, whether it's Minnesota, uh, Indy coming in, you know, it, it, you get you're really getting the sense now that that NASL is getting stronger and stronger. So well, NASL has uh, they have five planned expansion teams. You have three teams that are planning to join in 2014. Uh, I mean, those are Ottawa, Virginia, and like you said, Indy. And then then you got Jacksonville, and Oklahoma City, and uh, 2015. So I mean, look if if you're a team. 
if you live in an NASL city, I mean, clearly you're just you're very excited about just how you know their league is growing as well. You know, right? I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I think it's hard for some people to to differentiate and and want, and it's just kind of natural to want to compare NASL to MLS. But look, you can you can appreciate an NASL for its own merits and what they're trying to do, and you obviously understand that, that you know from a financial standpoint. Uh, as a league, they don't they don't have the muscle, the financial muscle, at this point to compete with MLS. So you know, but that being said, it doesn't mean it can't be entertaining soccer, and that they can't you know attract uh, quality players, whether it's Americans or international players. You know, someone like Marco Senna, who obviously quality player there, uh, coming over from from Spain. So I, I'm excited to see it. Uh, you know, I've I haven't I, I'm not going to say I've been a diehard follower of NASL through the years, but you can't help be, but you can't help but be interested in what they're doing and what a team like the Cosmos is doing, mm-hmm. and what the league is doing as they grow. Uh, and you know, is it about competing with MLS? On some level, I'm sure it is, but at the same time, I think their goal as a group is: a, we want to build a healthy and strong league that can be successful. It's not necessarily about competing or an A and B. It's about how strong the league they can build. And right now, they're, they're, they're heading in a really good direction. Well, it helps, like I said, when you have San Antonio that has them. Look, if I, the San Antonio's field is awesome. Toyota field, it, it's fabulous. And you're right. I mean, they're making waves. And, I mean, you, we, we can talk about NASL and, and their possibilities going forward. But, I mean, look, it's it's really exciting times in American soccer right now. Obviously, everyone knows that. But it's just it's, 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 very, it's very fun right now, Ivis. It's very fun. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I think there is something kind of cool about you know the cosmos coming back and yes we know the nasl didn't work out uh but it but it doesn't mean they didn't put to give everyone some great memories and and obviously this cosmos team is not going to be like the old cosmos team uh but it, it, they are trying to build something uh strong in new york and and I, for me just looking at the, the the level of player that they are been able to bring in i think they're they're doing a good job and i, I for me i i look forward next year to seeing these teams competing in the U.S. Open Cup and 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 seeing the the Cosmos in the U.S. Open Cup because that you know there are people who want to compare the Cosmos to some MLS teams and you could argue are is their roster as good or maybe even better than some MLS teams so I think next year when you talk about the Open Cup and and, and these teams competing uh, I think that that's that I think that rivalry is going to get a lot stronger. Well, all the NASL teams will be in action this weekend. Their season runs from uh, August 3rd, like I said, this weekend. And the final game uh, of the regular season will be on November 2nd. And that's when they will clown, uh, not clown, excuse me, they will crown their fall champions. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. Lots of uh, lots to cover since we had no midweek show. We apologize about that. But I think everyone can understand with the All-Star game not having a midweek show. You know, I think everyone can understand that. Right. Yes, uh, we apologize for the lack of the midweek show, and also apologies for no uh, no SBI Q and A uh, for this episode. But uh, we didn't want to set a new record for the longest show. We want to try to keep it keep it at a reasonable level. And uh, you know, one, one of the things I did want to touch on before we before we wrap up is uh, in case you missed it, in case you were under a rock, or just don't follow SBI or read SBI, uh, we unveiled our new logo today, and uh, it's been, it's been very well received and. It, for me, it's a, it, it's a pretty proud moment because you know it's it's been a year long process uh, trying to come up with the right look, the right change, and I thought I think we did a great job. I think we uh, we have a logo that that's uh, you know kind of perfect transition for us as as we grow as a website and as we uh, you know continue to evolve and and, and we're not done. Uh, there'll be another change uh, on the horizon that you can uh, keep out, keep an eye out for. I won't reveal it just yet, but you know the, the, there's changes afoot. So if you're a longtime SBI follower, reader slash listener, uh, you know hopefully it's changes that you you can appreciate. I'll, I'll break it. It's I'm going to be a featured writer on the website. That's what it is. <laughs> oh man. There goes the site. <laughs> Actually, I think the logo looks sick, and I'm not saying that because I want to raise. <clears throat> you know, I think it, <laughs> I think it looks pretty good, Ivis. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was. It, look, it looks sharp, very new. I like it. It looks good. I mean, it, but yeah. this is the second time you changed it. Like a couple, I feel like a couple months ago, right? No, I think it, like, no. Some the, the, we've had it. the same logo since since day one. Uh, we had a site yeah. redesign in in October. That was the one thing we did. We did. We, we obviously overhauled the look. 
of the site uh, as a whole, but now we've done God, the uh, that, the that logo was, to go with the new look. That was October. Oh my God, that was like a year yeah, ago. Exactly. Where, where has this where is this year gone? It's already time. August. Time flies, but yes, the logo. People like the logo. I I definitely love the logo, and uh, uh you know, it, it it won't be long before we get those uh those hats and t-shirts, those SBI hats and t-shirts out. Oh, oh I better get one of those. Nah, you, you'll you'll definitely get one. Uh, extra, also, extra medium. <laughs> That's, I got called out today. Some guy on Twitter, it's your boy, always makes fun of me for being a ginger. He's, he's like, Garrett has to be at the LA Galaxy game to go hang out with his ginger brethren, uh, Jack McBean. <laughs> God. I, can, I, I gave him a shot on the show. He's gonna, oh, also one more thing. Ivis and I will be taking a, a vacation. It just, it just happened that both of our vacations just happen to be at the same time. It's going to be um around the i'm blanking right now it's gonna be around the second week of august ivis and i will be gone for a little bit so well i think we should start preparing people now before you know before they you know jump off any bridges for not having an sbi show for about two weeks so everyone be prepared there will be no sbi show for two weeks come late august so right, right. prepare yourself well, uh Yes, well, we're trying to get to try to load up on a few shows before we go. Um, I, I actually will be uh, <laughs> heading to Peru uh, with the family. Uh, I'll be going from uh, August thirteenth to the twenty sixth. Uh, so we'll, you know, so if you want we to won't have us, the show. The SBI will still be uh, running, uh, be alive and kick. It'll be uh, going on strong. We, you know, our staff will will handle things uh, in my absence, but unfortunately. Uh, Garrett and I won't uh, won't be able to do the show because we'll be in in different parts of the world. He'll be in, I believe, Europe, and I'll be in South America. But you know, we'll be back uh, later in August, uh, and and we'll come back strong, and we'll absolutely be ready for quali- uh, World Cup qualifying in September. Hey, what were those dates again? I need I need to know. So so when I fly out to uh, Newark, I'll I'll just run over to your house and TP it. What are those dates are going to be gone again? Thirteenth <laughs> to the twenty sixth. <laughs> Oh really? Oh man, I'm gonna okay. I, I, yeah, I'm about that same time too. I'm actually looking forward to. It. I know you're excited to go to Peru. I'm excited to go to Europe. I'm escorting my grandma. It's crazy. My aunt called me. She's like, "Do you want to escort your grandma to Europe?" I'm like, "That's fine." So, I'm taking my 83 year old grandma to Europe. I'm not joking about that. It's gonna be not as fun as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. Ivis, it's four o'clock for you. You need to get some sleep, my man. Uh, I might sleep for the next two days because I tell you what, Kansas City was a blast, but I definitely didn't get much sleep at all. Uh, it just, you know, when you get into when you get into those kind of weeks and those kind of the, the scene there is amazing. I mean, just all, all the all the soccer people that 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 kind of converge, and, and it's a great time to be a soccer fan, and also it's a great time to be in the business of soccer because it's it's growing. Uh, it, it's it, it's just there's so much buzz for the sport uh, all over the country, uh, and so yeah, it's an absolutely great time. And that and that week was a was a perfect showcase for that to just show how healthy the, the sport is and how strong the the sport is right now. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Over under on Jack and Cokes, you had twenty. Oh man, <laughs> that's a <laughs> I don't know, man. I had a lot of doubles, so then you have to oh, dude, tally that you, up even you, more. But you... yeah, no, hey, listen. Folks in Kansas City absolutely know how to party. They know how to throw a party. Rob Heineman uh, and his group did an excellent job. And I'm surprised, I'll tell you what, one of the things I was looking out for today was was for Rob Heineman to go at uh, Merritt Paulson, his, 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 his good buddy from the Timbers, uh, is, you know, Portland's owner, because, you know, Portland's hosting the All-Star Game next year. Uh, and look, Portland's a great city. They do a great job. But that's it. The bar has been set high by Kansas City. And I know Paulson knows that. You know, I had a chance to talk to him when I was out there. And, uh, you know, I was waiting for the tweets from Heinemann, Rob, Rob Heinemann, uh, with the hashtag top that merit. But it didn't come yet. Uh, I guess I guess Heinemann's trying to be humble. Uh, but, yes, the bar was set absolutely high. Kansas City did a great job. Uh, but, hey, next year, Portland, it's going to you're not going to want to miss that, I, I think, because uh, I'm sure uh, Merritt Paulson and the Timbers are going to spend the next year trying to figure out how they can have an even better All-Star Week. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. Like I said, you need to get some sleep. Have a good weekend. I will talk to you later so we can have a show on Monday morning for everyone. Yes, sir. Talk to you then. And as always, everyone, we appreciate the comments, appreciate the reviews on iTunes, and all the support that you give us. It's Ivis and I really appreciate all of it, and we, we can't thank you enough. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>